0: This week on the Changelog, it's that time again. We're talking about the latest infrastructure updates we've made for 2021. We're joined by Gerhard lazoo our resident SRE here at Changelog, talking about all the improvements we made to 10x our speed and be 100% available. Also, we announced our newest podcast we're launching, hosted by Gerhard. So stick around to the last half of the show for more details and how to subscribe. Of course, huge thanks to our partners Fastly, Linode, and LaunchDarkly. We love Linode. They keep it fast and simple. Check them out at linode.com changelog. Our bandwidth is provided by Fastly. Learn more at fastly.com. And get your feature flags powered by LaunchDarkly. Check them out at launchdarkly.com. This episode is brought to you by Linode. Gone are the days when Amazon Web Services was the only cloud provider in town. Linode stands tall to offer cloud computing developers trust, easily deploy cloud compute, storage, and networking in seconds with a full featured API, CLI, and cloud manager with a user friendly interface. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, scale, and support you need to launch and scale in the cloud. Get started with $100 in free credit at leno.com slash changelog. Again, leno.com slash changelog.
1: We're back with Gerhard Lazu, our resident SRE.
2: What's up, Gerhard? It's all good. It's actually 10 times better. Our website is? I hope so. That's the title of the show. It's 10 times better. <laughs> I like 10 times anything. Are you yeah. a 10X SRE or what's going on here? That's exactly what it is. It's a 10X. That was that was the theme for this setup. It has to be 10 times something. It doesn't matter what that 10 times is. Just <laughs> it's, not good. it's 10 times something, like an order of magnitude better. And it is. Guess what? It is.
1: Nice. So it could have been 10 times slower to deploy or... 10 times longer response times. None of that it had to be 10 times better. Yeah. Well, for those uh, who haven't listened to the annual changelog infrastructure episode, welcome. You are here. This is not, hasn't been a whole year. It's been a half a year. So it's now, I guess, semi-annual. But we worked faster this time
2: around, didn't we, Gerhard? We did because we had the basics covered really well. And um, the base was so good that iterating was super simple. Yeah, and what we iterated on was basically what mattered the most: uptime and response latency. We had a couple of tricks up our sleeve. I think it was combined. I had one, you had one. We put them together, and uh, yeah, we did it faster. We did better this year. Mm-hmm. And not much has changed actually, so I think that's like almost like the what everybody wants: introduce a little change, not much change, but make it so much better, which
0: we did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fine tuning. There's details in the fine tune that make things faster, and that's where you got to. That's where you got to optimize for.
2: Yeah, I think it takes a while to learn your system. I suppose to learn all the components, like properly learn them, and then when you're comfortable with all the components, figure out which is the smallest change that you can make for the biggest improvement. And that's what we did. Yeah. Shall we spoil yeah. it? I mean, if someone just wants to listen to five minutes, we can spoil it, and they can. No, let's tease it. Let's, let's, let's hold tease it Let's tease it. All right, hold it we'll, back. We'll
1: tease it. Stick around, listener. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Let's start with this.
1: Not much changing this time around. A lot changed last time around. So our 2020 episode, which came out last October, was a big change. A lot going on. And some of the reaction to that episode was, I and mean, we're on Kubernetes now, and it's like, hey guys, you run a three-tier web- website, right? You have a database and an application server and Nginx or whatever. Kubernetes is way overkill. So let's start there.
2: Gerhard. what do you think about that? Do you agree with that? Not really. <laughs> and this is like, that's a
0: really controversial <laughs> I assumed you were going to say that because you're <laughs> the one that set it up.
2: So. <laughs> right, so I think that's a very simplistic view because you're right. When you boil it down, that's exactly what you have, right? It's just a Phoenix app. It's a web app. Right. You need a database. You have a proxy, maybe. And that's about it, right? That's what you have. But there's almost, it's almost like the iceberg, right? It's like the thing that you see at the top And there's everything else behind or below the sea level or the sea line. So what else do we have below? Well, you have certificates, you have load balancers, you have DNS, you have code updates, you have tests, you have CI, CD, you have dependencies, you have dependencies of dependencies, and the list goes on and on and on. And things are changing all the time. So given you have so many things, how do you manage that? And usually what happens, you don't. You just go with the flow, right? Let's say you don't care about your CDN integration. Just tick a box and assume everything just works. And most of the time it does, but when it breaks, do you even know that it broke? What about Mm -hmm. the monitoring? How do you manage the monitoring? And again, it just goes from there because you're running a production system, a production system that is serving a lot of traffic, which changelot.com does. And even though it's a simple app, I think it's almost like it's simple because we made deliberate choices. It could be a microservices architecture. We we didn't choose that, but it could be. The fact that we don't have that, it doesn't mean that we don't have all these things around it. Could you have one thing that manages all those things? Could you have control plane is the term that many use today? But that's what we kind of have. We have a control plane which manages all the things. And I say all the things, all the things that we could convert. There's always more, more work that, that that we could do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the next improvements are coming from for us. We have a very solid base and improving is really simple now. And everything is like in a single place. So you have this single thing which you can hold in your head. Everything is automated. Everything recovers. And... Again, I don't want to spoil it too much, but migrating from the 2021 setup to the 22 setup, in terms of time-wise, we could perform a live migration in 27 minutes, from nothing to everything. How cool is that? Did you already know all the
1: Kubernetes stuff? Like, so, so when people think about setting up a Kubernetes cluster, they talk about the complexities of the API perhaps, or the tooling, or the ecosystem, I always think back to CNCFs. That's not a roadmap. What is that? It's like a trail. Yeah, the landscape. And there's just like all of these words that I don't know any of them. And each each one of those is like a complex piece of software, right? And I get overwhelmed. You know, you got this rolled out. I'm just curious, was there a Kubernetes learning curve for you or had you already done that previously? And so when you started helping us, you already understood what you were doing. Because I think a lot of the cost for people, they're like, well is this worth doing for me or not, is like, well, do I have to learn all the Kubernetes things or do I have somebody who knows that I'm already? So I'm just curious where you're coming from.
2: So I had some knowledge, but it was mostly basic. But the thing to understand is that I have been doing infrastructure for, I don't want to say decades because that's like bragging, but that's put it a really long time. So we were joking about webmasters. I used to be one, uh, CGI bins, Oh, yes, baby. Those were like the good old times. <laughs> right? oh, yes, baby. Yes.
1: I remember CGI bands. I wouldn't yeah. describe them as a good old time, but uh, <laughs> well,
2: you, there you were go. better like at them than p- I was. Perspectives, <laughs> like pin glasses and all that, you know? You sure. have ping glasses and you remember the past much better than it actually was. Right. So there, there's an element of that. So I've been doing this for a really long time and I can appreciate the cycles that we went through and we had many, many cycles. And I've learned to learn on the job And if you optimize for that, there's nothing new that is too daunting or too, I mean, it's exciting. You'll make mistakes. But after you've been over, I don't know, six, seven cycles, they come and go. Remember Ruby on Rails? Oh man, those were the good old days. (laughs) Phoenix, I think, captures some of that. Mm -hmm. Um, The point being that even though I didn't know, I kind of know how to navigate that landscape. And you're Right. If your baseline is like zero and you have little experience, it is daunting Mm -hmm. and you would want a curated experience. But if you have seen these new technologies emerge and you know kind of where you are in the, in the cycle, like, are you going on the uptrend? Are you up? Are you, it's like, whereabouts are you in that, um, the law of innovation of diffusions, the law of diffusion of innovations? Sounds better. Uh, What is it?
0: Law of fusion innovation. That's it. What's that? So... Early
2: adopters, early—it's <laughs> basically any new thing, whenever you're introducing it, you have to focus on the first 2.5%, the early adopters.
1: Oh, this is like the curve of people who are going to adopt. That it starts it. with like the enthusiast and it goes to the... Exactly.
2: Early majority. Mm-hmm. The spread of a new idea. Exactly. Gotcha. And Kubernetes right now, I would say it's the late majority. It's not laggards. You can still not do Kubernetes, but I think it's the late majority now. Mm. So we waited for it long enough before we went into Kubernetes. I would say we were towards the end of the early majority that adopted it. That's that's what I think. So a lot of the components were fairly mature. And while mistakes could be made, it was more difficult. And our hosting provider, right, Linode, because that's how it all started. Let's get some VPSs, remember those days? And then VMs and then cloud oh, instances. Mm-hmm. So they offer a managed Kubernetes service. And that was the thing which we're waiting for so that we wouldn't need to worry about the control plane, about, you know, etcd and certificates and the integration with the IaaS. So all that stuff was abstracted away from us. Once we had that, we had the building blocks and we had to identify a couple of things, but they were fairly well-defined. Cert Manager, External DNS, Ingress Nginx. That was pretty much it. And these were like fairly standard components that have been improved over the course of a year, two years. So we were just like after 1.0. I think Cert Manager was the only one which wasn't 1.0, but then later on it was. So the components were fairly mature. There were so many blog posts and use cases and mistakes that have already been made before us. And what we wanted to do was fairly standard. So there's nothing crazy. Documentation was written, we weren't those early adopters. Uh, or like we were like towards the late early adopters. And we mm-hmm. were not the innovators. Definitely not. So a lot of the stuff made sense and it was easy. Now, having said that, we Does still that there hit a couple of interesting things. Right? Yeah, we still hit a couple of interesting things. Shall we go into that? What do you think? Mm. Some interesting things that we've hit? Okay. So some interesting things that we've hit were around the PostgreSQL operators. We chose PostgreSQL Crunchy first and... It was fairly hard to work with it because of how complicated it is. It's doing so many things. It has so many features and the replication bit us. Right. So we had a replicated PostgreSQL and we had downtime because it was replicated. You, you wouldn't expect that to happen. Because it wasn't replicated, right? Because it was replicated. We had downtime because it was replicated. I thought it stopped replicating. Exactly. It stopped replicating. <laughs>
3: Okay, so it wasn't replicated oh, yeah. which
2: one was it <laughs> no 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 no. so so i got it so we had the replication in place right the replication stopped working okay. and it took down our primary system it filled up the writer headlock. filled up the disk right it went down the secondary was way way behind so it couldn't be promoted to primary and we had downtime right and That's we had error. data loss and we had data loss. Yeah, we did. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's way worse than downtime in my Oh yes. opinion. We had a backup yeah. like from, I think, six hours ago, was it? It was or like six hours. Nine hours ago. Or something. It was like a bunch of hours and we've lost some data, yes. Thankfully, it wasn't a ton of data, no. but it was definitely data Because,
1: loss. We, had so, that's the because we had backups. lucky part on our side. Because we had backups, yeah. We had good backups, but yeah, six hours back. So I think there was like... Thankfully, was there any podcast episodes that were published during that time? I don't think there was an episode. No. That would have been a bigger problem. Was. But there was we just had- news items and comments mm-hmm. and a few things where I had edited a thing mm-hmm. and I had to go back and edit it again. Thankfully, we caught it fast enough that I remembered, and we're it, a yeah. small team. So we remembered our data loss. We're like, I, I know what I did yesterday or the last six yeah. hours. So we fixed it up. But was- In
0: a larger team, that would have been
2: catastrophic. Yep. Yeah. That was not cool. That was really not cool. Yeah. And you go through the documentation Right, and it's not like do this or do that. You don't have a a list of simple steps to follow, and then you're scrambling. It's like I just I just need to get this thing back up. Right, that's all we cared about. And what was the simple? What would be the simplest thing? So I think two hours later, we had this. Like, no, we just have to restore from backup because resizing the disk was difficult. It was just it was just a mess. It was just a mess. And I think this goes to show that it has not matured that much. I mean, it's getting there but it hasn't matured that much. And if you need that type of redundancy from PostgreSQL, then, well, you either have some DBA chops, especially when it comes to PostgreSQL and know what you have to do, or you're just paying for that. Which mm-hmm. I think for us, if if it really, really mattered, we would have just paid for that, for the problem to have been taken care of. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is, I always thought that maybe PostgreSQL, maybe Crunchy was too complicated. And then... We tried the other operator, the Zalando one, and the same thing happened, right? Mm. So it wasn't an operator thing. And here's the thing. We still don't fully understand where the latency is in the Kubernetes networking stack, but we know that there is some latency and we have some very high spikes. So think that an operation that should take maybe up to 100 milliseconds will take five seconds. And then if you have plenty of those things and like in a certain series of events things will just get out of sync and they will not be able to continue replicating correctly and when that happens the system will not be able to recover. It was a surprise to me and I remember looking at this for a really long time and not not, like thinking could it be Linode's private networking and it wasn't. That wasn't the problem even though it indicated there's like some network latency. Mm. So we went down to single Kubernetes node everything was running on one node and we still had the same latency problems. So there is something, and there wasn't wasn't CPU bound, it wasn't like high network uh, throughput, so we weren't like hitting any sort of limit other than network latency. So how many metrics would we need to enable in the different layers of the stack, and how well would we need to know that stack to debug this issue, right? And I think that's where a lot of people that hit issues with Kubernetes, that's where they're coming from, You wouldn't expect these. These are normal problems. These are just almost like specific to the stack that we are running, which in this case is Kubernetes. So you kind of need to be an expert to kind of know how to look at this. But I do hope that some technologies, I think they've been around for a while, but again, it goes back to how do you pick and choose your components? So what I'm wondering is, would Linkerd have helped with this? Could Linkerd show us the latency between the different services? And to what see is Linkerd and how, it would, how would it do that? So it basically intercepts all the traffic between... Uh, so imagine Ingress Nginx when it talks to the app. Linkerd mm-hmm. would place itself between Ingress Nginx and, in this case, the app. So it would see all the latency between the two components. Same way, it would intercept all the traffic between the app and the database, PostgreSQL, the service, the PostgreSQL service. So to show us when there's any sort of like weird latency between the two services. Hmm. Now, we could enable all the metrics for PostgreSQL, but then you need to find the dashboards. They need to understand those dashboards. If you have Grafana or something else, then you're literally becoming
0: a DBA, right? That's the hard part though. You talked about Crunchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the other one you talked about we moved to? And then- He's a London post. What's it called? Zed, Zalando,
2: PostgreSQL.
0: So you got those two, and then you you consider what Linkerd have helped us. Mm-hmm. But that shows to me, at least from someone from this perspective, which is not a Kubernetes operator, I'm not an SRE, is that you have to have some sort of understanding of the different tooling available in the ecosystem, which means you got to pay attention. Yes. Right, very closely. And even not, not to just know which tools are available to manage PostgreSQL like we need to and replicate and whatnot but also a high degree of understanding of those tooling and how they'll actually help you. And so I think that could be is like, it's just a very daunting high touch world that Kubernetes presents. It may be the future. And I'm not sure in terms of the law of diffusion Mm -hmm. and uh, innovation where we're at, it's early majority, late majority in terms of adoption of Kubernetes at large, but it seems like it's still iterating and still getting better because we thought it was Linode's networking It wasn't. Then you suggest different tooling, but that to me says you got to have your ear close to the ground of Kubernetes and all its intricacies to really deal with like this kind of problem or problems like it. You know, we're dealing with it in Postgres. I'm sure there's other databases that are going to have issues, you know, like, but it's similar. It's the same kind of issue where it's a latency of some sort that spikes and causes everything to slow down and then haywire. So they do say, um,
2: And let me be specific. Kelsey Hightower has been saying this for a long, long time. Don't run your data services on Kubernetes because things get complicated. And I think this is a first-hand experience of what he was referring to. Mm. Things may seem okay Mm. for a long, long time, but then things start getting problematic. You have the combination of tooling that maybe wasn't meant to run in these types of environments. And how do you basically evolve it so that it embraces This distributed, everything can go and come within milliseconds, as containers do. So I'm wondering if something like CockroachDB, which is meant to be run as a distributed PostgreSQL replacement, would have helped. I don't know. Would we have benefited from a managed PostgreSQL instance? Maybe. So maybe we should have listened to that advice and not run PostgreSQL in Kubernetes. But all these things... First of all, they made us just understand the stack a little bit better and say us, mostly me. And it made me realize that simple is best. So for the 2021 setup, we're running just a very simple stateful set, single PostgreSQL instance, that can restore from backup in less than one minute. So let's say that you lose everything. If you back up frequently, which we do every hour, by the way, and I have to change that setting. I've set it to be three hours, but I need to change it to one hour. It's super simple. And then the database will back itself up every hour. We can lose an hour worth of data. We can back it up every 30 minutes, but it's, it's mm-hmm. very simple. And then you have backups. You can self expire. Then we, by the way, we back up to S3 uh, and we back up the entire media as well. And these backups, the reason why they were important is because when we did the 2021 setup, all I had to do, I had to let the system restore from backup Mm. to pull like all our media, which is 85 gigabytes right now, all the files, all the MP3s, all that stuff. So to download that from S3 is fairly fast, especially for MP3s. They download like a few gigs per second. But it's uh, gigabits, not gigabytes, by the way, we have 85 gigabytes. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's an important distinction. But it's when all those small, like all the avatars, all those small files, when you have to download, they take slightly longer because there's so so many of them. But um, we can restore everything from scratch. So like, let's say we delete everything within 27 minutes because of all those small files, everything's restored. The database, super fast, the media files, the whole lot. And because it's so simple, Do you need to have a distributed system? You can use these local SSDs. That's another problem which we had. Discs not detaching, nodes not rebooting. We had like another downtime because of that. And I know that, you know, all these issues have been fixed. I mean, we were early adopters in the case of Linux Kubernetes Engine. Right. It shipped in November 2019. We started using it, right? It was a beta. And just when it went live, I think in May, we were already starting to switch some production workloads across. And then by, was it August or September? I can't remember. Everything was across. Something like that. So did we need a multi-node Kubernetes cluster? The answer is no. What we needed was proper CDN integration. And that's where the speed comes from. So by properly integrating with the CDN, in this case, Fastly, the website is actually 15 times faster. The latency. Did you say 15 times? On five, Yeah. 15 times. One five. Actually, let's let's do this. By the way, we're integra- we are integrating with Grafana Cloud. So we ship all the logs, all the metrics to Grafana Cloud. And we have synthetic monitoring set up there. And we have probes running all around the world. By the way, not all probes are reliable, but we have plenty to show us what's happening.
0: And we're monitoring our babies now.
2: We are, yes. The feeds and we have alerts and all and reports. There's like so many things we have set up. So thank you, Grafana Cloud. That's a really cool thing.
0: Behind the scenes, Jared called our feeds our babies. Yes, he so did. A little joke there, but yes, we're monitoring our babies, yeah. which is our podcast
2: feed. Yes. Yeah. And if a baby is crying, guess who gets the Telegram message? This is like Grafana Cloud integration. I do. Yeah. Right. So when our That's the way it but, should be. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> that's, that's how you stand by your infrastructure if you're willing to be woken up at night. And guess what? We're caching it. And so cached it doesn't go down anymore. Yeah. All of Fastly would have, to be go da- would have to be down before changelog would be down. So you have proper integration, which we didn't have before. We did some caching, but not as much as we do now. Anyways, before we enabled caching, the changelog.com website, the average latency Uh, So we have uh, San Francisco, Dallas, New York, London, Frankfurt, uh, Bangalore, Sydney, and Tokyo. These are all our probes. So the average latency across all probes was 880 milliseconds. That's kind of embarrassing. before. Before. Yep. Yeah. Now it's 66 milliseconds. So how much is that? 880 by 66. 13.3 Thirteen point three times. Not quite fifteen. But not ten either. It's more than ten. We could round up to fifteen. And guess what the uptime is? Hundred percent exactly. Hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs>
0: percent.
3: It's hundred percent. That's exactly all the nines.
1: right. We want all the nines.
0: This episode is brought to you by Cloud Zero. They help teams monitor, control, and predict their cloud spend. And I talk with Ben Johnson, co-founder and CTO at Obsidian Security. They get tremendous value from using Cloud Zero. Ben shared with me the challenges they face driving innovation and customer value, while also trying to control and understand their
3: Amazon Web Services spend. We want our engineers to move fast, to innovate, and to really focus on driving customer value. Yet at the same time, reality is we have to pay for cloud compute and storage. And the challenge around AWS is often that you have multiple accounts, you have lots of different services, you have some people who only have access to development environments, not necessarily production. A lot of these different challenges across services, across uh, accounts that make it hard to understand the positive or, or negative impact to the costs that the new feature, the scale, you know the, the maybe the change in architecture are having, and so giving our team more insight into the ramifications, again positive or negative, of their changes in order to maybe we need to really move fast. Let's have less worry about cost right now, or maybe now we're in a more stable place. Let's let's drive down the cost so we can you know give uh, give those cost savings onto our customers or improve our own margin. So a product like Cloud Zero can really help your team get a handle on costs, get alerted to those spikes, feel good when you actually see the costs. Drop and do all that without a whole lot of investment of your own time.
0: All right. If your organization shares similar struggles as BAN and Obsidian Security, check out Cloud Zero today. Learn more and get a demo at cloudzero.com changelog. Again, cloudzero.com changelog.
1: So this speaks to really geographic... Relocation of our assets, right? I mean, we had all of our images and MP3s and CSS and JavaScript assets served via CDN mm-hmm. all the way back to when we set the system up. That's right. But we didn't serve the entire website via that CDN. That's right. And so, even though Phoenix is really fast, even though we're set up good, we had we even have in-memory caching in places where it makes sense, like the feeds. Mm-hmm. So who wants to recalculate? the changelog's feed of 400 and some odd things every time it gets requested, like we cache that in the app. In addition to that, we now have it behind the CDN. And just the fact that that used to be served from like New York East, even if it was really fast to answer, in Bangalore, in Tokyo, is never going to be under, well, it's going to be an average of 880 milliseconds around Mm -hmm. the world, right? Yep. There's not much we could do about that while our responses were coming from a centralized you know single pop as they call it point yep. of presence mm-hmm. which is the way it was mm-hmm. so now every request goes through fastly and uh we should have done that a long time ago you should have <laughs> <laughs> i'll take full responsibility on that one because i, I kind of slept on it for, for no. years
0: i think you resisted it yes. actually didn't you resist it for a little bit you were like no let's not do that yeah, I I'm think to it was. I'm just trying to think, no, like, what was the fair. circumstances for saying no, really? I think it's
1: because I didn't read the docs well <laughs> enough. I didn't realize how easy it is <laughs> to just bypass that if you have a cookie set, you know? Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, you know, we have signed in users, signed out users. I guess just I, I always had done it that way. I just served the dynamic parts from the application or behind Nginx and I served the static parts from a CDN. And that was just what I was used to. So mm. that's what we did. And I thought it would be hard to switch. Because I didn't realize that there's just like a setting where it's like, "Hey, you know, pass through fastly if you're signed in," mm-hmm. which is you know probably a minuscule percentage of our traffic is signed in users, maybe that's right lucky three percent, maybe one percent of requests are mm-hmm. signed in people, so a little bit of ignorance, a little bit of just like old school this is how I do it, and then because we didn't have worldwide monitoring, we had single point monitoring. It always seemed pretty fast. You know, we always got good scores. Is it good for you? It's good for yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. Is it good yeah. for us? Is it good for people in the States? Once we set up the Grafana with the around the world monitoring, then you start to realize, holy cow, this is not fast for everybody, you know? Yeah. So I think it was less, just less important because I Resistance didn't realize or just, yeah. how bad it was out there.
0: Well, that's interesting too when you talk about observability. What's it? You don't know what you don't know until you know or something like that. Basically, you know, the unknown, observability unknowns. provides a lot of data yeah. to understand some of the problems because either you don't have time or you not necessarily don't care, but you don't care because you, you can't care. You don't have the data to really understand the full rounded picture of the problem or the the concern. And uh, that's that's what's interesting is that once you start to monitor some things, you really start to understand the the real problems. And That's why I think you know there's a lot of pluses to you know it doesn't require Kubernetes to to use Grafana right we don't need Kubernetes to use Grafana but the full rounded picture of what cloud native asks of teams or prescribes or subscribes is this picture of you know Kubernetes simplified in quotes simplified plane that everyone understands you can go from our organization to a whole different team if they're using Kubernetes it's roughly the same API and all the same concerns you've got an understanding from team to team if you're someone who moves around or someone who sres for many people or it's just a standardized way of doing things i'm curious though about the the average because you said 880 was the average Mm -hmm. so share the the highest because that that says average what was the highest so this is the average latency
2: right and you have all the different points can you see that yes Okay, cool. So this is all probes. We'll pull a screenshot into the show notes for sure. But. So let's look, for example, Dallas, right, which is closest to where Adam is. So in Dallas, what we're seeing is the average latency is 42.20 milliseconds. Okay, that's pretty good. It's a pretty good latency. You can see that you have a couple of high ones, so the max goes to about 200 milliseconds. This is now, not before. This is last seven days. looking across the last 70s. If your
1: maximum response time is 200 milliseconds, then you're sitting pretty.
2: 200 milliseconds, exactly. And that's where the average, and this is Dallas. So let's take, I don't know, let's take London, for example, for me. So London is 87 milliseconds, and the maximum is 400 milliseconds. Now, Mm -hmm. what we need to understand is that some of this is also related to probes. So do you see the uptime says it's 99.98%. Well, what that actually means is that some probes, some Grafana probes, are either overloaded because they take more than five seconds, which is exactly what happened here. It takes more than five seconds. And that's, that's a timeout. If, if a response takes more than five seconds to come back, it's, it's considered an error, error. It may have taken longer, but it's considered, no, nope, it didn't respond quickly enough. But maybe the probe was being overloaded. I know that when we were looking at Bangalore, I think that was the one, This is the Bangalore. See, for example, these errors here. This was uh, the 4th of May. The error rate was very high. But all it meant is that the probe may have been overloaded. Not necessarily the website, because I'm pretty sure Fastly was rock solid around this period. I mean, you just have to think how many pops they have, how many points of presence. So once you get in the Fastly cache, any endpoint should be able to serve it. So we have a shield in New York. And then every other point of presence basically distributes from there. It it reads it from that cache and it replicates across the whole world. And we have a micro cache. So we we cache every response for 60 seconds. And then if there's any cache misses, it will continue serving stale content while asynchronously going back to the origin and requesting an update. So you should always serve cached content. Unless obviously the, the point was like, down or reloaded or something like that which very rarely happens and then we reroute traffic so typically when there are issues it's the high latency it's most likely the probe let's see can I have one for example can I see one probe here that was not very healthy look for example this one this was uh, Tokyo do you see how the latency went slightly high so Tokyo was having not a great day the Tokyo probe same thing here in Bangalore the Bangalore probe was all the way up to five seconds so some requests were timing out but which probe out of here looks most loaded let me just open this like in a slightly bigger view it's frankfurt look at frankfurt how many spikes it has do you see these spikes Mm -hmm. goes all the way to three seconds four seconds now in the big scheme of things this is no big deal right you think
0: ah this is okay but the probe i think is overloaded what does that mean to be overloaded like the grafana probe that's it's got a lot of logs it's doing for not just us, but others, similar to the yeah. way a noisy neighbor is on a VPN. That's exactly right.
2: Or whatever route this is taking, the route is overloaded, the networking, right? We don't know what route it takes. Mm-hmm. So however this probe runs, we can see now we never had this. And this is, this is a really fascinating thing. Who knows what problems we had in the past in the 2021 setup. But because we never had this level of visibility, we, we didn't know. We didn't know what we didn't know. So now we know that, for example, uses in Frankfurt, maybe, maybe there's an interconnect that is slow. Maybe it's not just that probe, but still we are able to serve within seconds most requests. So we monitor the NGINX logs and we can see the response times, we can see the traffic served. This is, by the way, after the CDN cache, so we still need to get the logs out of the CDN to be able to visualize the same thing. Uh, That's something which I wasn't able to set up just yet, but it's on the list. And we can see that the 99th percentile, the average 99th percentile is 707 milliseconds. So we are under one second. This is Nginx to the app. Mm -hmm. But the time interval is 10 minutes. So if we go to, let's say, five minutes, uh, it's a lot. One minute, we had like, look at that. Whoa, what happened here? So when the time interval is one minute, The 99th percentile response time was one minute. The 95th percentile was 300 milliseconds and the 99th percentile was one minute. So what the hell happened here? I don't have the answer, but I would love to find out.
0: (laughs) Well, now you know there's a problem though, is the thing, right? Because before you didn't know there was a problem. Exactly. And if we're dealing with replication of databases and this was sort of like attached to that, like as you... Begin to. Here's the
2: thing all this runs on a single massive host. We have 32 CPUs, AMD Epic, 64 gigs of RAM or 128 gigs of RAM, SSDs, super fast. It's a single host. So, how can the 99th percentile between Ingress Nginx running on that host and the app, which is running on the same host, be this high? Bitcoin miner. Bitcoin (laughs) mine. It's not, but (laughs) sure. (laughs) Sure.
1: I I assure
0: you it's not. (laughs) I'm glad you shared the specs of that server too, because that does put it into context of- This
1: should never happen. It's
0: capability and that this shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen.
1: What do you you surmise? What's your gut?
2: (sighs) Something in Qproxy. Something in Qproxy. I mean, that's the only thing. It's not the database. Yeah. It's not the app. It's something between all those components that make up Kubernetes. We have Calico for the CNI. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's the overlay network. But this is where that like, almost like you want more observability. It's almost like, you know, you have a problem. Before you didn't have, you were like so ignorant. You didn't even have a problem. And if you look at external monitoring, everything looks good. Everything is fine. From a CDM perspective, things are okay. Okay. And that is the experience that we want to give our users. The website is always available. It's super fast, regardless where you are in the world. Mm -hmm. And these are the things that we are now becoming aware of. So the question is, do we invest in this? Or maybe do we do something else? And when I say something else, do we continue down Kubernetes? Or do we take, I don't know, a platform as a service? Our problem has always been bandwidth, right? Because we need a lot of bandwidth. I yep. think hundreds of terabytes of bandwidth. Kind of like in the detective shows where
1: they they say zoom and enhance. You know, that's yep. what you're doing to us here. We zoom in, and, at a certain point, you zoom in and enhance, and just it can't enhance any further. And you're like, you're you're staring at a blob, and you're like, I don't know what that is. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at. So you need like another level, you need another zoom, mm. or another enhance in order to dive down. And the smaller these problems mm. are the more use time you spend right figuring mm-hmm. out how to get that zoom done and probably the lower your you know your roi so to speak or the the law right. of diminishing returns hits you and you're, you're right. sinking massive amounts of resources into solving this tiny little problem that may or may not be worth it i mean ignorance i guess was bliss except for our us- for our users it wasn't bliss like we didn't we thought it was fast everywhere and now we know that it's it wasn't it's better
2: And yet we still have
1: this little thing that's like, what? What's going on there?
2: Yeah. And it does happen fairly frequently, by the way. So there's something there. Would tracing help? I don't know. Like, look, we look at the last six hours. We have a spike here. That was 7 p.m. And they're not periodic. Like, they happen like uh, 4 p.m. Could it be the database backups? I mean, they do run every three hours. You have four and you have seven. So maybe we go to the, like, last 12 hours. But then you have, like, all these smaller spikes. This is 1 p.m., so not really... Right, you had like these spikes. And again, most of the stuff, like if you look at the traffic that we serve, it's nothing. The server is like not even like 1% loaded. CPU is not an issue. Network is not an issue. Nothing is an issue. All the components are healthy. Very little memory use. So it's not a problem. Hmm. So is this is a good thing. I think it, it refines your understanding. I think it makes you think about your setup in ways that you haven't thought before. So you really do feel like the master of your domain, and most things are easy to set up. I think it's just like knowing which things to set up. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hoping that we'll do with this and with ShipIt is that we'll share some of those stories, we'll share the things that worked yeah. out and things that didn't work out, so that others would have to do this. Wait, 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 wait! wait. What's this ShipIt you just said? What's what's this? <laughs> what's thing? this ShipIt? <laughs> what are you talking about? So I'm thinking about like it's, like, it's been five years in the making, okay? Every year we have been improving our infrastructure, our setup, we've been shipping it, sharing it with you all. So how about we do this more often? How about we do this every week? How about we do some interviews and some sharing of how to ship stuff and what else is other than shipping? Because getting it out in production, that's like such a small part of the story. I wouldn't even say it's like the tip of the iceberg, could be, but there's so much underneath. It's all the other things that you need to care about. So it's a new show that you would like to start. Yeah. And this is the first episode. I like this is that. the first
0: episode of that new show. I'm excited. I'm excited about this show. I think this is so awesome. I mean, I think that uh, we've been asked, you know, why do we do this? Why do we, why do we even care about Kubernetes ourselves? Like to use it, considering our three-tree application and not really needing, so to speak, that. I think because we care. Because we're explorers. Because this is fun to dig into this kind of stuff. And as you mentioned, Garrett, is, will Kubernetes be the solution for us forever? Maybe. Is it great? Sure, in many ways, but it's got a lot of downfalls as well. Will a PaaS make more sense? You know, will a render, a fly, or something like that, or, you know, whatever Linode has in the future, or DigitalOcean, will that make sense? Maybe, I don't know. For our application, you mentioned we need high bandwidth. I think that's part of the journey. And doing this show, you know, sharing our story like we had the last couple of years, consistently naturally evolved into the need to want to share more and not just our story, which is going to be one part of it, but other stories, other team's stories and how they ship things. Like wouldn't it be cool to learn how Kubernetes ships Kubernetes? Oh yes. Or how different platforms ship their different platforms. Do They use their platform to ship their platform or do they do something different? You know, are they dog fooding? Are they champagning? Whatever you call it. Yeah, you know, that's going to be the fun journey, you know? And I think that's what uh, is really fun about this. Is do more, not
2: just less. I think that what that's the one thing that we've learned. There's like so much to this. There's so many good conversations that can be had. There's so many problems that others are sharing. Like I was researching about network latency in Kubernetes, and I came across blog posts which were saying like how Kubernetes made my latency ten times worse. I was thinking that's my problem, but it wasn't. It was just a clickbait. I clicked on it like oh damn it. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted me to click so i wouldn 't want that for others right <laughs> I would genuinely want to dig into this with different people that have had similar problems or that have maybe tooling that can help with this problem to help us understand what the problem is to help others understand and maybe come up with a solution which is which works for more than just us yeah mm. so there 's again like a, a way to curate these problems, a way to understand them and to see what makes sense because Grafana Cloud may, or it does make sense for us, but maybe it doesn't for others. So what else is out there? We don't know. And it's not a fixed thing. It's changing all the time. Like every KubeCon, there's new tools, there's new approaches, there's just new people, right? New efforts going on. So what are they? It is a full-time job, just keeping up with all the things. And it happens to be fun.
0: This episode is brought to you by our friends at LaunchDarkly, feature management for the modern enterprise... Power testing in production at any scale, here's how it works. LaunchDarkly enables development teams and operation teams to deploy code at any time, even if a feature isn't ready to be released to users. Wrapping code with feature flags gives you the safety to test new features and infrastructure in your production environments without impacting the wrong end users. When you're ready to release more widely, update the flag status and the changes are made instantaneously by their real-time streaming architecture. Eliminate risk, deliver value, get started for free today at launchdarkly.com. Again, launchdarkly.com.
1: So if you're listening to this in the ChangeLog podcast and you're interested in our new show, Ship It, you can go right now to changelog.com slash ship it, subscribe there. If you happen to be subscribed to our master feed, which is your one-stop shop for all ChangeLog podcasts, you're already going to get it. We're going to ship it right into your feed. But if you're interested in coming along this journey with Gerhard and with us and with our setup and with other people's setups and see where this thing goes, definitely subscribe to Ship It. Now, if you're listening to this on the ShipIt feed, hey, congratulations. You're already here. Welcome. But I'm excited, too. This should be a lot of fun, and I think I will learn a lot by
2: listening and maybe even participating a little bit. I think that... That makes so much sense, right? Because there's so many good ideas out there. There There's so many good ideas that are good ideas for a while and then they're terrible ideas, but that's okay. Because ultimately, what do you care about? How does this help you? Does it make sense? And what else is out there? It's almost like the novelty factor. That in itself is good enough, right? To subscribe and to just like what's around the corner. Like one thing, which I would love to find out I mean, I'm putting this out there in the universe, is that one of the guests on ShipIt is none other than Elon Musk. Does he ship Kubernetes to Mars? I would want to know that. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. What are you saying now? (laughs) Like, why not? Like, how does he ship those rockets? That's like proper engineering, right? We're just like playing here. So this is an episode request. This is not
1: a it promise. Is. This is a no, request. No, no, no. Okay, okay
2: good. Because I about got very excited. I was like, <laughs> really?
0: Gerhard is dreaming
2: and we are like Six it. hours, <laughs> six six years from now, it will happen. I'm sure within like now and six
0: years, that's how long this thing took, right? From an well, idea. It makes sense. He just did SNL. He should, he should do shipping. Yeah, we're the next natural step from there. I think so. And maybe we
2: can help him curate the tech that will get shipped. Why not? And I say we, it's like the royal We. The shipped yeah. group. Right. So he doesn't ship the version that has all this downtime, right? Because I don't think that will be good for the mission. I think uh, we're just looking at uh, the downtime that we had before. We had a lot of downtime. <laughs> and now it's like all green. 19 mm-hmm. days, yeah. all green since we did this switch, the new setup. We didn't have any downtime. 100%. That's awesome. I say, okay, it's, it's, it's a little window, but it should never go, go down unless we mess something in, in the CDN config.
0: That's possible. Because at one point I said, there goes them nines. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> the last time we talked, we talked about the nines and how much they cost and how much each, yes. you know, each nine costs and the effort, not just the cost, but the effort mm. required to to get to those nines. And that's kind of part of it, too, because we're we're going on this journey thinking this is improving. Mm-hmm. And sometimes improving isn't just simply infrastructure and speed. Sometimes it's knowledge. Sometimes it's understanding. And maybe the current version you've improved, but you've really just improved your understanding of the system and what's required, mm. and the system you currently got might not fit the bill for what you really need, which means something else, or you're iterating towards that learning, and that's that's the interesting part. Very well put.
1: Gerhard, Do you, do you expect a community, or do you desire a community around this show? Do you think there'll be people involved, helping guide direction, ask for certain topics, certain interviews? What's your thoughts on, like, who this is for and how involved they're gonna be?
2: I think you can approach it from multiple from multiple angles. I think a community would be nice, but a community, I think it just needs to make sense for the community rather than for us or for me. So if the community would find that useful, sure thing. But I think it's more around, I mean, the CNCF, I, I'm just thinking, I, I just recently, right? Uh, came back from, I say came back, it was right here in front of the computer. Virtual. Uh, the virtual KubeCon, Cloud NativeCon 2020. And we have a good interview, possibly one more or two. Anyways, uh, that's a fantastic community. And there are so many things happening there. So what I see a ShipIt community. A community is hard work. And I think a community, if it serves itself and if it's like self-sustaining, maybe. But I think if anything, it's sharing interesting topics, It's solving specific problems that others would find helpful and interesting. Mm -hmm. And it's more like spreading ideas and approaches and perspectives that make sense to some. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm hoping to get out of this. Obviously learn, Right. right? Learn new things and share those learnings. I think those episodes, I think they will be very time specific. It's almost like there will be a journey. And in that journey, that episode makes sense. And they build one on top of the other and eventually have like a nice journey that's, I mean, we, we used to do it like every six months, every 12 months, something like that. So I would like to do that a lot more often. So like smaller steps, yeah. gain a lot more perspectives and share it a lot more often rather than once every six months or once every year. Yeah, That's what I'm hoping. But what do you think? I mean, I could
1: imagine a world where there's a group of enthusiast shippers maybe the act of running things in production is technology specific so that you might have like the kubernetes community and the ansible community or whatever but i think like people who are interested in these things whether they're sres or their devops or their sysadmins like i used to be back in the day mm-hmm. i could imagine people rallying around and hanging out together and talking about these topics Uh, Similar to how, you know, JavaScript folks hang out and talk about JavaScript in the JS Party community of our Slack. So that shows very community oriented. We want the community to actually like come up with ideas and like challenge us and request the guests. And so that's like a community oriented show. I was just curious your angle on that
2: for this particular
1: podcast.
2: I think that makes a lot of sense. Like all those things uh, make a lot of sense to have engagement from the listeners. Right. that's the way I would, I would phrase that again it's more about exploring and sharing mm-hmm. and that's what I'm really passionate about and finding ways to improve changelog in a way that is open source and others can benefit because that's one thing that we have always done shared our approach publicly like if you look at the commit messages there's so much insight in them and I find that very interesting because yeah you write yeah. books in there Yeah, I did, I did actually I think we could publish a book. We could probably pull a book out <laughs> of here. Yeah, there's messages. a lot of text in there. ASCII art and all those things. Yeah. Links. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff there. Yeah. Check it out.
0: Emoji. Emojis. Oh, lots the of best. Emojis.
2: It conveys <laughs> be so much emotion.
0: In regards to the community though, we can say that we have uh, a dev channel in our community Slack. And if I'm keen yeah. off of what Jared's saying is, is like, where can people hang out at? Right. So we already know that changelaw.com slash community is there. It's free to join. It's open. We already have a dev channel, but maybe, are you saying maybe a ship it channel makes more sense where we have similar to JS party, we've got a JS party channel and people hang out there and chat during live shows and maybe this show isn't live, but we can start to have, Hey, I, I like this show. I want to invite this person. or I want to suggest that person. Well, where do people go and congregate? Where can that happen? And I think we've already paid for the price of admission, which is free. And the infras there, thanks to a free Slack and community and all that good stuff, It's is, is done. So a matter of moving some of that conversation from dev to ship it or just promoting dev to what could be ship it.
1: Uh, either way, in terms of the logistics of that getting done, w- w- sounds good to me, but I think we should definitely have a, a ship it channel where folks mm-hmm. can hang out and talk and yeah, you know, throw ideas out there and have a place to to discuss the show and things around the show. It doesn't have to be about the show, but I think that would be rad.
2: Do we have comments enabled on episodes? Yeah, we do. Okay.
0: So that's one. For now. (laughs) If you listen to a recent backstage, for now. (laughs) We thought about
3: turning them off.
1: You can go listen to that conversation. And uh, we actually agreed on turning them off and then I just didn't do it.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Okay.
1: So we might leave them on forever because of laziness or... Maybe it'll disappear, but mm-hmm. I don't know. You go listen to backstage episode, what is that, 16? Yeah, you, all that. the emotions are
0: on comments, but for now they're
1: there, and I don't know if I just leave them on because people do seem to like them.
0: You know, I've, I've since then. This is a micro <laughs> version of that conversation. I've seen more adoption of our comments, yeah. and well, I wonder especially if that that be some ev- blog post you got there, Jared. I mean, like, wonder if that episode spurred on Yeah, wonder
1: that episode spurred on more comments. they like, wait a second, these guys have a comment section. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that till they posted a show. And about then it. even
0: since I've looked at our design of it, and I think that you know, for a signed out user, it's it could be. We could do better design to make a better effort to encourage yep. discussion. Oh, yeah. Like actually an so, emoji picker. I mean, there's definitely some things we could do. Any reactions. You know? There's all sorts of stuff we could do. Just guys to higher value content, really, like higher value comments. But that recent post you did, you might as well timestamp it. That got a lot of, a lot of comments itself. Mm-hmm. The backstage episode we're talking about is episode 16. Accurately titled, let us know in the comments. So, yes, let us know in the comments so yes but um, there are yeah. comments on each episode so it's a great place to have
1: conversation especially I, I like the permanence of those in terms of mm-hmm. it's attached to the episode so if you have follow up links or questions regarding the content yeah. it's a great place for that whereas of course there's conversation that's going to happen on Twitter and on Reddit and on Hacker News and on LinkedIn do people have conversations on LinkedIn I don't know about that they do and elsewhere of LinkedIn. and in our Slack but there's some value
0: to the comments on site. Yeah. so It's worth it in, in my opinion. But if you're listening to this, and you're thinking like, well, one, they've answered my questions around community because clearly we just in time uh, produce the future of things. So we just determined that we're going to have a community and it'll potentially be the ship it channel in Slack. But if you have a request for an episode, there's an easy way to do that. changelog.com request. It's there for every show we have. The changelog, finders talk. Ship it. All the shows, essentially. So if you have a request for a guest or an idea, that's the best way to share it with us. If you want to join the community, it's there. ChangeLog.com slash community. No debate about that. And, uh, you know, if you care about shipping it, then you should ship it with us. Also, if you care about all the other things that happen before
2: shipping it and after shipping it. And while you're shipping it? And while you're shipping it. Oh, yes. (laughs) It's just, yeah, there's like... It's almost like that's like a point in time, but there's so many things happening before and after, and it's like it's not like a single event, right? Yeah. You find yourself shipping it, and you would like to think that every time is the same. But that's what we aim for. It's like a, it's an ideal, but it's not, right? Sometimes you ship it and you take production down and go, oh crap, what did I do? <laughs> well, there's a great lesson to learn there. So yeah, I think it's, it's I think it's those things which are really interesting, right? How do you build right. systems? where shipping is so easy and straightforward, they don't even think about it. I think we were rather fortunate that that was the case for us. Just get push and everything will take care of itself
0: or merge if there's a PR. Well, you heard it here first. Gerhard, our resident SRA for hire, has been promoted to podcast host. Coming at you weekly changelog.com slash ship it and uh i'm excited Gerhardt. i i mean i've been a big fan of what you've been doing with us for so long i'm glad to get to a weekly cadence where it makes a more routed sense to talk about what we're doing what others are doing and all that fun stuff but hey listeners you know what to do changelog.com slash ship it all right that's it for this episode of the changelog thank you for tuning in we have a bunch of podcasts for you at changelaw.com. You should check out subscribe to the master feed, get them all at changelaw.com slash master, get everything we ship in a single feed. And I want to personally invite you to join the community at changelaw.com slash community. It's free to join. Come hang with us in Slack. There are no imposters and everyone is welcome. Huge. Thanks again to our partners, Linode fastly and launch darkly. Also thanks to Breakmaster cylinder for making all of our awesome beats. That's it for this week.